Hey everyone, welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. Man, this past Sunday we talked about the fact that everyone has a course for their life. And if we get off course, then we won't wind up at our destination. And so the printing process or correction is that very thing that can help us uh, stay on course. So I want to encourage you to press in and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning. Enjoy the podcast. Would you open your Bibles to John 15 this morning? Yeah, let's get excited about the Word, amen? John 15, hey, God has been, He's had me camping out in John 15 lately, and I I don't know if you've read it in a while, but man, that book, it'll mess with you, and it'll mess with you in a good way, and it's, it's... It's been a wonderful thing for me. So I want to read um, in chapter 15, verse 1. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Amen. Let's read verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So this is Jesus talking because it's in red. And what he's saying is, hey, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. Another word for vine dresser would be a gardener, would be the farmer, would be... Uh, the caretaker. And so then in verse two, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So guess what the reward is for bearing fruit? Pruning. (laughs) Everybody's favorite thing. Getting pruned. So why? So so that you can bear more fruit, right? That's what he just said. So the gardener, his plan is that everyone would reach their full potential. That all of us, you and I, would reach our full potential. God has a potential that's beyond what you think it is. He wants to do far more exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask hope or think. So if you're single in here, that's good news because God's got a better spouse than what you're thinking of. Isn't that good news? All right, that's a weak amen, but okay. You know, I, when I looked at Nicole, and I, you know, I think about being married to Nicole, and I think, you know, I remember back when um, I didn't think she'd go out with me because it was above what my expectation level is. How many of you guys know we have to come up, amen? And so I nervously called her, and I asked you out cold turkey, didn't I? I was a turkey, okay, cold turkey, and, but she said yes, and the rest is history. Okay, verse five, let's keep reading. Verse five, it says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears how much fruit? Much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. So we have to abide in the vine. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my Disciples. So there's only one way to produce more fruit. How is it? Pruning. Another word for pruning that I want to use and I want to replace it with is correction. Everybody's favorite word. Phil, I didn't know where I was going to come in here and hear a message on correction today. Well, it's okay. You know, sit still. It's going to be good. All right. So I want to read another scripture to you. <laughs> it's okay. Second Timothy. Here, here, look at this scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, you need to hear this right now if that was you going, man, I didn't want to hear a message on correction. 
All scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Amen? So in other words, you can replace, actually that word prune up in the second verse that we read uh, there in John 15, that word prune, you can replace that word with two different words. One is cleanse. Pruning is cleansing. Another word, and my wife, I remember when she called me, she was on her mission trip. And when you're on a mission trip, how many of you know you can't, unless you take your food with you, you don't really get to pick how you eat. And so she was eating some food that wasn't as healthy as how she normally eats. So she, said, she let me know. She called and said, I'm going to have to go on a cleanse when I get back. Well, one time I was talking about going on a cleanse and I couldn't think of the word cleanse. Am I the only one that ever does this? You know, when you're talking and you can't think of the exact word that you want to use. And I couldn't think of the word cleanse, so I used the word purge. <laughs> and Nicole didn't like that word very well because <laughs> I guess that can mean other things. But ironically, guess what word you can switch prune with in John 15 too? Purge. I thought it was pretty cool. So turn over to John chapter two. That's just a personal thing there. John chapter two, turn over there. In John chapter two, Jesus and his disciples, it's Passover, so they come to Jerusalem and Jesus enters the temple. And in verse 13, it says, well, in verse 14, he comes into the temple area and guess what he sees? He sees merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifice. And then he also sees dealers at the tables exchanging the foreign money at the tables. And so Jesus, after he sees all this, he comes in, he looks, and he sees stuff that's not supposed to be in the house of God. So then he goes and he makes a, a whip out of ropes. And so then he comes back in verse 15, and Jesus makes that whip, and he comes back and he chases all of them out of the temple. He drives out the sheep, the cattle. He scatters the money changers and the coins. He flips over tables and he turns, and the coins go all over the floor. Right, And then he turns to the ones that are selling the doves. And he says to them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And then his disciples, they remembered the prophecy from Psalm. In the book of Psalms 69 verse 9, that zeal for my house has eaten me up. Or you could say passion for my house has consumed me. For my father's house has consumed me. So, there, so in other words, there's things that, are in, that were in the temple that didn't belong there. So now we're under a new and better covenant. You've been born again. Jesus said, I am going to go away, and the Holy Spirit is going to come and live on the inside of you. So we have gone from God with us to God in us. <laughs> come on, somebody. So, God, so what's happened? Your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I wonder if there's things in there that need to be driven out. And you notice that in this scripture, this is the only place in the Bible that we see Jesus get physical. That we see him with zeal. I mean, he was relentless. He come in there flipping those tables over, pushing oxen out of there, whipping the oxen out, get those sheep out of here, get the goats out of my father's house. Why? He's driving out what doesn't belong there. 
And we have been talking about, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about our relationship with God, intimacy with the Father. Um, I've shared a couple messages. Zach shared a great message on intimacy as well. And so what happens is the closer that we draw to God, the more sensitive our heart becomes. Because what is supposed to happen is when somebody gets born again, it says that when the spirit goes, when evil spirits go out of a man, they go through dry places seeking rest and they find none, right? Well, they get tired of dry places and they think, well, we're going to go back to the house where we came from. And so they come back and they find it swept clean and put in order. And so they come back into that man. Well, what's the problem? Is when we get born again, when we give our lives to God, our house gets swept clean and everything is put in order, but something has to come and live in our heart, not something, someone, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when he fills you up, then there's no room, come on, for anything else in there. God, God will not cohabitate with evil spirits. He will not cohabitate with stuff that doesn't belong there, right? And so, so what that does is the Holy Spirit pushes that stuff out. Well, what I find in my heart is that the more, the more close that I get to God, the more sensitive I am to those things that I don't want to allow them in my eyes and in my ears because I don't want to give them a doorway into my heart. Amen? Okay, so we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So we want, uh, we want those things that don't please God to be purged. <laughs> to be corrected, to be cleansed, to be pruned from our lives. So what can prevent this? Pride can prevent this from happening. Pride doesn't like correction very well. I, I can remember times in my life where I, was, I had pride operating and functioning in my life, and I didn't take correction very well. And sometimes what I find is God will put you even in, in, in more of a humbling situation because he's trying to humble your heart so that you'll receive correction. In order for us to grow, we have to receive correction. Sometimes correction doesn't feel good. You know, I, I'm thankful for my relationship with my wife because God can bring correction to me through her life. You know, and sometimes it's good correction. I remember one time it was what, nine o'clock at night, and a movie had come on that I got interested in, but I'd seen this movie many times before. But it was one of those movies, you know, that you like to watch, you don't mind watching it over again because it was a good movie, right? So I sat down and I started to watch this movie, and, but it was a Sunday night, and I've got work early in the morning. And so my wife made the comment to me, she said, so do you think it's gonna end different than how it did last time? <laughs> All right, now that's good correction. So you know what I did? I couldn't enjoy the movie after that. I just shut it off. Suddenly I felt stupid sitting in front of the TV. So, but pride sometimes sees correction though, on the other hand, as failure. This is why sometimes people won't come to God when they've missed it. Because I failed God. How could he ever accept me? And it's like it pushes us away. And that's the very time that God, the father, is that father in the prodigal story that is looking in the horizon, just waiting, just, just hoping that, he, that he'll see you turn his direction. He's waiting for us to turn in his direction. Man, that's so good. So, 
So I want to read to you a scripture. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Because sometimes people will give up on the pruning process. God is wanting to bring correction. He's wanting to bring pruning to our lives. But sometimes if you feel like a failure, it will, can cause you to give up on the pruning that God wants to do in your life to cause you to be fruitful in your life, to bring you peace and hope. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 5. It says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. This is a great word. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel just because God brings a little correction to your life, right? Pride doesn't see the value in correction, but humility appreciates the direction that correction brings to our life. Wow. Come on, humility appreciates the direction correction brings to your life. To the humble, here, here's, here's what happens. is When you've messed up, and, and when the, then the devil brings the shame. It's really the devil that's bringing shame, bringing the attitude of failure, bringing all this stuff, because he doesn't want you to turn your life around and get back in right fellowship with God and get back on the right track. Because how many of you know your life is headed to a course? Right, And if you get off course, you won't find, wind up at the right destination. This is why airplanes have systems in the airplane that, and Roddy, you know all about this, about how, how it, what it does is it, it looks at your air, so it looks at how fast you're going, it looks at the, the, the airspeed, it looks at, it looks at you know, even if you go on a long trip, the rotation of the earth. And so it constantly makes, calculates and makes corrections to the flight path so that you wind up at the right airport. It'd be a bummer to be going to Dallas and wind up in St. Louis, wouldn't it? That would be a real downer for me. (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not you. So, uh, but, so, so we're on this course. So let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you were driving here today, how many of you got in your car, just started it, and just put it in drive and hit the pedal, and you made it to the Jones Center? Didn't have to steer? Didn't have, uh-uh. Why? Some of you had to make a course correction even getting out of your garage, didn't you? We had to make course corrections. We had to make hundreds of them driving here this morning. Well, you're headed to a great destination, and it's going to take a lot of course corrections to get you there. You're going to need a lot of correction in your life, pruning in your life, purging in your life, cleansing in your life, right? So that you can wind up at the right destination where God wants you to be. Amen? I mean, is this making sense? Okay, good. So, so why does correction bother us? It doesn't bother us. It bothers pride that's in our life. It's a revealer of pride. When, you don't re- when you're not willing to receive correction that's going to provide direction and growth in your life, then it's, there's one thing inhibiting it. It's pride. That doesn't feel good when you say that. I can tell. I have some of you. It, it, it didn't, didn't feel good to me. Let me tell you something that's very humbling. Parents can identify with this. When your kids correct you. And you know they're right. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart. You know it's right. It doesn't feel good. But let me tell you, when you decide to say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. That is the best thing that you can do. Why? Because, one, it clears the air. (laughs) 
Because it, it, it took a lot for your child to even share that with you. But when you receive it and you say, you know, you're right, and you take the humble road, what you're doing is you're taking the high road. And then what it does is it frees God to take you to the right destination. It puts you back on course. It's not easy. Let me tell you. Wow. So staying on the right course requires a lot of corrections. Amen? So when pruning comes, there's two things that can happen. Here's what pride will do. Pride will make excuses. Humility will make adjustments. Pride will make excuses. It's easy to come up with an excuse. I mean, it's easy, right? You just have to make up something. But humility is willing to adjust to the correction. Hmm. So why would you take correction personally? So many people do. When correction comes to their life, I I shared a story this morning that I remember one time when I was uh, working on staff at a church, And um, one of the worship leaders and the youth pastor were doing a high school chapel. And the pastor had asked them to do worship, do some ministry time. And then the pastor was going to get up and and share a word with the the student body. And so they did. The worship leader did worship. The youth pastor got up and he did some ministry time. And then the pastor got up and he preached. Well, when the message was over, I was there because, I, for some reason, I don't remember why, but I was there when past, the pastor came off the stage and he came right over to the youth pastor and the music uh, worship leader and he said, let me ask you guys something. Did you even pray before we started today? And I went, oh, I mean, but once he mentioned it, I went, you know, it didn't seem like the spirit wasn't anywhere in this. But he said, did you guys even pray? And both of them, their heads went down and they shook their heads now. And he said, well, let me make a recommendation for next time. That was correction that needed to come. And for the youth pastor, he accepted it. He received it. And it produced fruit in his life. The worship leader got offended. And do you know that that offense carried with him until he left? The church, wound up leaving the church. And it was all wrapped up. It, you could see it in his attitude. Because what happens when we get offended? We develop an attitude. And that attitude, we wear it on our sleeves. And, and man. And what it did was it, it, it threw his destination off course of what God wanted to do in him. Man, Proverbs 3 verse 12 says this. This is good news. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So here's the good news. Why would you take it personally when what God is saying, it's good news when correction comes to your life, because what God is saying is, you're not an orphan, I love you. I love you. Now, when my wife and I uh, started parenting and we got to that age where it was time to correct our children, they got to that age, you know, where they understood right and wrong. And we read the Bible and the only thing for Nicole and I that we could find that was the right, what the Bible used to correct children was the rod of correction. And so we read about the rod of correction and we thought, oh, okay. 
So we decided that we were going to call our rod of correction the love rod. And based on this verse. And so what would happen is, you know, Becca or Zach would do something wrong. And there were a couple of times that it upset me. And so I would ask them to go get the love rod, go to the room, because daddy needs to calm down. Because how many of you know, you don't want to correct when you're upset, right? And so I would get calmed down, and then we would go in the room, and, and then we decided, hey, you know, whoever saw it, they needed to be the one to correct it. We didn't do the good cop, bad cop thing. We didn't see that in the Bible anywhere. I know some parent. I've seen some parents that try to do that, and and it just doesn't work out. And then what happens is you have the strong disciplinarian, and then you have the person that lets them do anything. And this, there's not agreement in that. And so we decided not to do that. Um, and sorry, no condemnation. If that, that's how you parent. We just, for us, decided not to do that. And so I would tell them, you know, take the love rod, go to your room. And then when we would come into the room to correct them, we would say, now we want you to understand something. The Bible says this. It says, the rod of correction will drive foolishness far from you. So there's a miracle that's going to happen when we apply the love rod. It's going ha- to land right here. And foolishness is going to come out of your heart. That's what the Bible said. And this is a good thing. Did you know, just by the way, your tailbone doesn't grow together until you're about 16 years old. There's a reason you got a lot of padding back here when you're little, right? Why? Because God knew you were going to need a lot of correcting. I, I needed a lot of correcting. I remember we had this guy, this principal in our school, and his name was Kyle Booth. And he traveled with a production called Toymaker and Son, and he was the big Ted, the big muscular guy in the production. Anyway, I mean, his biceps at that time were bigger than my waist. I mean, I, I was a skinny little kid, but he had, and so I got swats from him one time at school, got the love rod, and it was aerodynamic, it had the holes in it so that, you know, whoosh. and he didn't wait, he did it fast, bam, 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 and I was like, ah, you know, it's like, ah, oh. and so I determined I would never get swats from Dr. Booth again, and I didn't. I almost did. I got in trouble the next year, but it was three days until school was out, so I hid the last three days of school. <laughs> and I wore like 13 pairs. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting off. Okay. So, all right. So, but anyway, the love rod. So, so we would tell them, okay, listen, we would read this scripture and say, we're correcting you because we love you. And we want you to understand that because it's not easy for a parent to correct their child, nor is it easy to receive correction. But what I'm looking for is their heart. I'm not looking for massive tears as much as I'm looking for a heart change. Because what I'm trying to direct is their heart. Because if we can get their heart going in the right direction, then they'll land in their destination that God has for them. Right? And we're the same way. When we are willing to receive correction that God brings to our life, when we're willing to allow the process of pruning to take place in our life, we're going to wind up at the right destination for us. The destination that God wants us to be at. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, you're there. Look at verse 11. It says this. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful. How, How many I can get an amen on that? It seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those 
who have been trained by it. Mm. Another verse in uh, Proverbs chapter 12, in verse 1, it says this, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof or correction is stupid. I, I, didn't, I didn't write that. <laughs> That's in the Bible. Okay, so, so when we understand the purpose of correction, the purpose of the pruning process, then we'll appreciate the process more, won't we? Wow, so it's up to us how we allow this in our life, whether or not we allow it to produce in us. So turn over to 1 Samuel 15. I want to look at, at an account. And you remember Saul. Saul had been made king. He was anointed as king. And once he was established as king and the nation was securely under his rulership, God came to him and said through Samuel, he said, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites. I want you to utterly destroy them, all of them. I want you to destroy the livestock, destroy young and old, all the people, the king, the officials, everybody. And so Saul took the army, they went and they started destroying the land. But here Saul keeps alive King Agag. And then the soldiers that were with him, they said, hey, let's not kill all the livestock. Let's keep the very best to offer as a sacrifice to God. So what's the challenge? They are changing the commandment, what God commanded them to do. He said, destroy all of it. He didn't say, bring the best and make a sacrifice to me. He said, destroy all of it, right? And so Saul didn't correct his soldiers. He didn't make them kill all the livestock. He let all the livestock live. And so when Samuel arrives, Saul comes out and he greets them and he says, we have done everything that the Lord commanded us to do. And he said, well, why am I hearing cows moo? And why am I hearing sheep? What's going on? And he said, well, you know, and he explained to him what happened. And so here's Samuel's response in verse 22. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. I've heard this frequently that people boast in their stubbornness. And they laugh about it. And I think, man, have you read this scripture? That it's like idol worship. Being stubborn. Stubborn is not a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> it's not. When I was a kid, I, was, I would think I was about uh, seven or eight years old. My mom would probably remember when we got our horse. And uh, so we moved out in the country and we had a little bit of land. And so my parents bought a horse and I was all excited. They didn't buy it. It was actually given to us. And I was so excited because I get to ride the horse all the time. And so she was, uh, she was a mare and a uh, quarter horse. And so, so I, I would come out with the saddle and the reins. And she, at eight years old, she would let me put the saddle on her. She would let me put the reins on. And I would get on that horse. And sometimes I even got dressed up like a cowboy. You know, gun and all, man, sidearm and everything. I scared her a couple times with my rifle. But anyway, 
But I would get on that horse and I would ride her on a regular basis. Well, then I didn't ride her for a while. And, you know, and so she let me, she hesitated a little bit, but she let me saddle her up again and I'd ride her some more. But then there was a long distance between when I rode her and this last time when I tried to saddle her, bring the saddle out and put it on her. And when she saw me coming out with the saddle and the reins, she, uh-uh, she wasn't having it. And she backed me into the barn. And I really thought I was going to get pounded by her. But thank God she didn't, she didn't do anything. And I dropped the saddle and decided it wasn't maybe a good idea to ride her. But what, had hap- what happened? Horses you need to spend consistent time with. And you need to ride them on a regular basis. Why? Because then they're rain trained. Because when I was riding her all the time, all she had to feel was just this slight nudge on the side of her neck with that rain. And she'd start going in that direction. She knew I was steering her. You know? And that's the way we are when, when, when we are in tune with the Spirit of God. When we are being led by the Spirit like sons and daughters of God and we're sensitive to him, then he can steer us in the direction that we need to go. But when we pull away and we don't spend that time with him and have that type of relationship, we'll grow stubborn. Then when he comes and tries to nudge you in a different direction, uh uh-uh, I'm not moving. It's not a good place to be, is it? Wow, yeah, we need... need To be sensitive to that. We need to be rain trained. Amen. So here's what happened to Saul. Saul, his destiny got derailed. Why? Because he cared more what people thought than he cared what God thought. He became stubborn because he didn't have an intimate relationship with God like David did. This is why God said, David is a man after my own heart. Why? Because he wanted to be so intimate with God. He wanted to have the closeness with God that if God said even the slightest little thing, I'm going to go and do it. All right. So as we go after God, let me tell you, this is exciting news. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This is exciting news that as we go after God and that pruning process begins to happen in our life, it, it happens automatically. Transformation happens automatically. Why? You grow closer to God. And like I said before, you'll, you'll go in and you'll try and watch a movie and the movie will bother you and you'll wind up walking out. What's wrong? I didn't, I didn't like that. It was like nails on the chalkboard to me, to my spirit. It bothered my spirit. Why? Because you're full of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Then you'll have difficulty living with someone who's not your spouse you'll have difficulty having sex before marriage you'll have difficulty allowing yourself to be bound to addictions and then and then here's what happens is you'll wake up in the morning and you you won't try to not sin you won't sin because he's in you and when he's in you and you're full of him. You're not trying to become something you are. You realize where your identity is. Because it'll bother your heart. 
I got to tell you, um, <clears throat> and this has been happening at a higher level for me more and more. The more I spend time with him, the more I spend time in prayer, the more I spend time seeking his face, the more I'm noticing things are beginning to bother me. And I've asked God to open my eyes, but it's like he's opening my eyes to things that I didn't see before. And he's opening th- my eyes to things that I'm doing that I didn't see before that I need to not do that. Because God, I didn't realize that, that that didn't bother me before. This is kind of the, this is kind of the, the challenge sometimes people have when they, get, when they get born again and their heart begins to get convicted because what God does is he takes the heart of stone, he gives you a heart of flesh and he writes your wor- his word on your heart and that's what convicts you. Suddenly, you're, this is why he says, hey, you know, don't sear your conscience. Why? Because your conscience is where conviction happens, where it comes and it helps you and I go down the right path. And what happens is instead of dealing with an oak tree of temptation, now you're dealing with an acorn. An acorn of correction. Because if we would allow God to prune our heart, then we would head in the direction we're supposed to head in. And it would be the right direction. I want to read to you another verse, and then I want to pray. So 1 John 3, 3 says this, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Whose responsibility is it to purify I purify myself. How? By making the decision that I'm going to receive correction. I'm going to, I am going to receive reproof. See, because people know. How is it when a person gets born again, suddenly they want to change the way they live and what they do? Why? The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in. And it shows them how to live that's they they've never even read the bible but they want to start living differently why because the holy spirit's come in and the holy spirit's like yeah let's push that out let's push that out let's push that out i'm going to fill this area i'm going to fill this area for you i'm going to fill this room and this room and this room i'm going to occupy the whole house and i'm not sharing it with anybody else When Nicole and I, before we started dating, both of us had come out of bad relationships. She was closer to the altar than I was. Were you three months away or something? She was engaged to a guy. She had to leave town, get away from him. And uh, he camped out on her doorstep. Didn't your dad go out and tell him to go home? Yeah. And uh, mine wasn't nearly that dramatic. But we had both come to a place where we were like, okay, you know what? I'm done trying to please anybody else. I want to please God. I want to please God. God, I'm giving everything over to you and I'm focusing on just pleasing you. And when I did that, oh man, then God brought Nicole into my life. That was amazing. Because that was who God had for me. So what's waiting on the other side of your obedience? What's on waiting on the other side of correction for you? More fruit? 
abiding in Him. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.